This is an ABC podcast. Look, don't put your mobile phone in a blender. Just trust me on this one. But if you did, you'd find more of the periodic table of elements in that pulverised phone dust than you might expect. What's that? You want more context? I'll let Alison Britt from Geoscience Australia explain. Well, apart from my dear old dad, I'm guessing that everybody else here owns a mobile phone. Maybe it's in your handbag on, or your pocket on the table next to you. Maybe you're playing with it right now, in which case I hope you find this talk interesting enough to put it down. Did you know that when you're holding one of these handy little devices, you're also holding about a quarter of the elements known to man? So how is this possible, you might be wondering? Well, it's got a lot to do with the minerals found right here in Australia. And today I'd like to tell you some more about them, how they're helping us clean up our act and how, why some of them are called critical minerals. Well, first questions first. How do I know how many elements are in a mobile phone? Well, it's actually a little tricky to know exactly because every mobile phone manufacturer has different specifications and they're coming out with new models all the time. So we can't know exactly. But in 2019, some researchers from the University of Plymouth in the UK decided to find out. And they did this by sticking a phone in a blender. <laughs> yes, you heard that correctly. They put a smartphone in the blender and turned it on. Now, don't try this at home. It was a special laboratory blender under strict safety protocols and your kitchen blender will not do the job. <laughs> so, warning out of the way, what did they find out? Well, the phone was mostly made of what I call everyday elements, those ones we've all heard of. Iron, silicon, chromium, copper, carbon, nickel, aluminium. But the phone also had small amounts, say less than 1%, of a lot of other elements, tungsten, tin, rare earths, molybdenum, silver, cobalt, gold, and lots of tiny amounts of other things, tantalum, niobium, indium, and many more. And this is important because each of these elements used in small amounts combined with those everyday elements is what makes our modern technologies work. So just like adding salt and pepper to a meal makes it taste better, putting a little rhenium in a jet engine makes it burn faster and hotter, putting a little scandium in an aeroplane makes it lighter and stronger, and putting a little indium in your mobile phone makes the touchscreen work. In the olden days, say as recently as a couple of hundred years ago, humans only used less than a dozen elements for modern technologies, those everyday elements that I mentioned earlier. You know, iron for horseshoes and carriages, copper for roofing, silver and gold for money, and lead for uh, paint and makeup. With the industrial age, they started adding a few more elements to the mix, so tungsten for lighting, nickel for alloys. And by the 20th century, we're using aluminium in aviation and chromium in stainless steel. Now, can you picture the periodic table in your head? You might have to think back to high school to remember the rows and columns of elements arranged in atomic order and chemical similarity. Well, these days, we use nearly all of those 118 elements of the periodic table in our modern technologies in one way or another, even if it's just in tiny amounts. Now, what happens if the element or the mineral it comes from 
is absolutely essential to a country's economy but could become hard to get hold of. Perhaps only one country produces it. Maybe it's a really rare mineral. Maybe a few countries produce it, but only one country knows how to process it. When we have a combination of needing a mineral element for, to, to keep things working and there being an actual or foreseeable problem getting a hold of that mineral, then we call it a critical mineral. Now, interestingly, which minerals are critical can change over time. So, for example, in World War II, asbestos was regarded as a critical mineral. Yes, asbestos. And while they're not minerals, whale oil and goose feathers were also regarded as critical materials by the United States military. Now, for the future, who knows, maybe copper will be a critical mineral as the world becomes increasingly electrified, but it really depends on what society needs at the time. Today, the Australian Government has designated 24 metals and non-metals as critical minerals. You can get on the web and search it up, as the kids say. The list includes things like cobalt, titanium, vanadium, graphite and lithium. But one of the most famous critical minerals is actually a group of elements called the lanthanides. But you might have heard them called by their other name, the rare earth elements, or just rare earths. So let's do some myth busting first. Despite their name, rare earths are not rare. They're in the oceans, the plants, the soil, in you. Yes, there could even be tiny little amounts in you, probably in your bones. What is rare is finding enough of these lanthanide or rare earth elements in a geological setting where they're concentrated enough to, be, um, to support a profitable mining operation. But why do we need to mine them? I've just told you that rare earth elements are in your phones, so why don't we just recycle all the old mobile phones and save the planet? There are plenty of them after all. I'm sure it's not just my family that's collected a few in the drawers over the years. Well, you're right. We can recycle old and broken mobile phones and other e-waste too. But unfortunately, there simply isn't enough of the rare earth material in these old phones to make the 3.7 billion new phones that we think we'll need by 2024. Yes, that's right. It's predicted that tech companies are going to make an additional 3.7 billion new mobile devices over the next three to four years. So to get this material, we'll need to source it from reliable countries like Australia, where we have the rare earth deposits, we can mine them safely, and we have laws to protect the environment. Now, we need rare earths because we use them in so many modern technologies. Besides helping your mobile phone work, they're also used in superconducting ceramics for power lines. They're used in lasers for cutting metal, lighting for the film industry, self-cleaning ovens, flat-screen TVs, printing banknotes, x-rays, refrigeration and the MRIs at hospitals. One of their most well-known uses is in magnets. They are the essential ingredient in making the most powerful magnets in the world. Now, at Geoscience Australia, where I work, we have one of these rare earth magnets in the lab, and we have to be so careful with it. It's only the size of a 10-cent coin, but it could totally crush your finger if it accidentally got caught between the magnet and the steel table. Now, these rare earth magnets are used in renewable technologies. For instance, they enable wind turbines to have smaller, lighter generators. And while this talks about minerals in mobile phones, 
they're also a vital component of electric vehicles, which I like to think of as mobile devices of a different kind. <laughs> now, electric vehicles, or EVs, are increasingly replacing petrol cars, so much so that last year they made up more than 10% of new car sales in many European countries, with Norway a whopping 75%. This means that as the world moves towards increasing electrification of our transport fleets, rare earths will continue to be needed and in increasing amounts. Now, we don't normally think of Australia as a superpower, <laughs> but... When it comes to mining, we're an absolute world leader. For example, 10 years ago, Australia was a minor producer of lithium and today we're world number one. So why is the world crazy for lithium? Well, it's because batteries made with lithium have amazing capacity to store energy and release it slowly. So EVs and our modern mobile phones with their advanced computing power would not be possible without these lightweight and long-lasting batteries. Now, lithium batteries enable us to harness renewable energy when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining, store that energy and then release it later at night time or when the air is still. Besides lithium, advanced battery technology also uses cobalt, nickel, vanadium, manganese, aluminium, copper, graphite, all minerals found right here in Australia. So with so many critical minerals in Australia, could we make mobile phones here? Unfortunately, the answer is not right now. There's no phone factories in Australia, and we do not have the processing know-how to separate all the elements from their ores at commercial scale just yet. However, Australian geology absolutely can provide the cocktail of minerals needed for making advanced smartphones, EVs, batteries, and all the other modern technologies. And Australian geology organisations, like my own Geoscience Australia, are continually discovering more about the best places to find new mineral discoveries. Combined with the global energy transition and new technological advances, there are great opportunities for Australia to take our minerals know-how and Aussie innovation to the next level. So watch this space. Wrapping up today, if I can leave you with one thought about your mobile phone. Not only does it keep you connected to the world, the dozens of everyday and critical minerals that it is made of also connect Australia to the world in a different way. Asbestos, whale oil, goose down as critical minerals? Don't times change. That was Alison Britt, Director of Mineral Resources Advice and Promotion at Geoscience Australia, speaking at our Occam's Razor live event at Smith's Alternative in Canberra in June. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll have more critical insights from another scientist for you next week. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.